0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Tech Guide, episode 424. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show... We take you inside the Amazon fulfillment center to show you how your orders are processed. Kohl's supermarkets will start selling refurbished iPhones, and in our celebrity tech interview, we catch up with 2GB breakfast show host Ben Fordham. In the tech wide reviews, we're going to take a look at the PlayStation 5, a hands-on look at the new PS5. Alcatel has redefined value with the new One SE sub $200 smartphone. And if you love your wine, then you need the LG Signature Wine Cellar. And we'll answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide Help Desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. I'm sure many of you listening right now would have ordered a product on Amazon. It's the the world's biggest online marketplace which supports tens of thousands of small and medium businesses just in Australia to who take advantage of their logistics and processing uh, and expertise to reach customers around Australia. And of course, Plenty of you, me included, have ordered products from Amazon uh, that came from the US. But it's been a few years now that Amazon has actually opened its doors here in Australia with a a local amazon.com.au website for local businesses. And as a result, they've had to build several facilities around the country to help process all those goods and get them in, get them out the door to you. So when, when you hit the, the checkout button and buy the product on the website, then the, the wheels swing into motion getting that product to you uh, as quickly as possible. And in some cases, that could be the same day. That's how efficient they are. And we actually got a chance to visit the Amazon Fulfillment Centre in the Sydney suburb of Moorbank, now, this is a 45,000 square meter facility which employs up to 700 people. And it is incredible the process involved here. This is a major distribution center which serves many Australian Amazon customers. And as I said, more than 10,000 small to medium businesses piggyback on Amazon's efficiency and expertise here. Tens of thousands of products arrive. At the, at the Fulfillment Centre every single day. And we're talking products as small as a pair of earrings all the way through to appliances and flat screen, screen TVs. They even sell groceries and alcohol. And, and the, the, I think the largest item in stock, they said, was a near life-size stuffed giraffe. So it's a stuffed toy giraffe. So uh, just from the very small to the quite large, these are all processed through... The Amazon FC, and we were lucky enough to be invited inside. We were we took all our precautions. We had our temperature checked at the door. I wore a mask the whole time. Socially distanced. So Amazon were very uh, very clear on the protocols, and I, and I abided by all that, uh, and was lucky enough to to take this tour to go behind the scenes inside the Amazon fulfillment center, and it is a remarkable operation, and it's from from start to finish. They can track tens of thousands of products and orders and process them. And we even got a chance to box up an item, which I'll talk about in a minute. But it all starts off, though, with the products arriving in the fulfillment center. And they do have a piece of uh, equipment that scans every single product that comes in the door. And what this does, this allows them to know immediately... The size, the weight, shape, uh, everything about this, this product that, that they're about to stock. So size, weight, shape, that comes into play later on. You'll, you'll, you'll find out why. Now, the next process is to store the item. And traditionally what you'd think Amazon would say, right, let's put all the books with the books. Let's put all the toys together, all the tech together, all the TVs together together. But that's actually not how it works. I was really surprised to see their system is called random stow and pick. So stowing means the products come in the door, being scanned, and they've got to place, they've got to store it somewhere until someone buys it. So what what they what the associates in there do is is go whatever space there is in, in on the shelf. They fill it and, and they what they do that they, they keep like sized items together. So a, a toy might need to be next to a book, might next to be a next to a bottle of aftershave. So all the like sized items are placed together, but the same principle applies. And so this random stow means that they take the product, scan the barcode of the product, then scan the shelf that it's stored on, and that information is stored in the system. So the system knows where every single item is is in the warehouse. So then when it comes to pick their item. so a pick is when an associate walks out with a big tote and grabs off the shelf what ha- what the customers have ordered. So the system knows, not because the system knows exactly where everything is, it can even plot a path for that associate to take the shortest possible distance between the picks. So it'll say, okay, go to shelf four, then go to shelf seven, then come back to shelf six, and so it it plots the path because it knows where everything is and so that creates an extra level of efficiency so what, what you'd think this would be counterintuitive to how a traditional off warehouse would operate but in in Amazon's case they've proven that this is this is a really successful method and a time-saving method as well now when the orders come in the associates retrieve them they've brought the tote over to the area where they need to be then further sorted into individual orders. So all these totes, which contain a mountain of of stuff, are then sorted into each particular order. So say I've made an order of four items, then there's these little racks where they then place my four items into a numbered space on a rack. Then the next process is is the packing and boxing. So after the tote is sorted, individual orders are sorted, now it's time to put them in to box them up and send them out. And I was actually given the opportunity here to try a boxing, so to to box an item. And uh, they they sat me up in there. I had my gloves on. I had all my safety, had a safety briefing. And it was up to me then to process an order. So I scanned the tote, which told me what was inside the tote. And then each order was then placed into a box. So the order that I processed, it was a blanket, I think, that went into a box. So when I scanned the product, it told me what size box I needed. Okay, so here's, the, again, the system knowing the size and, and shape and weight of the, every product. It knew, because it knew the size, shape, and weight, it knew exactly what box it needed. So I pulled out the, 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 the appropriate box, and it also then gave me the exact right length of tape to tape the ends. And then I put the item in the box, gave me another exact right length of tape to tape the box. It gave me a barcode to put on the, on the, on the box as well. And then I placed it on the conveyor belt. And then off it went. Now, I think I said to the guy, I said, listen, I haven't put, there's no name and address on this box. So have we missed a step? And he said, not at all. He goes, that's actually on purpose because that protects customer privacy. So they don't know that Stephen Fennec is ordering USB drive, USB cables and and books and and toiletries. They, they don't know you. They don't know wh- what you're ordering and who you are. So it's, it's an anonymous thing. So the next step down the line is for you is for the system to recognize each box. So remember the barcode we placed on the box. So that it goes down the line and the, as it's on the conveyor belt, each box is scanned and weighed. So the scan reveals okay, that's Stephen Fenix's order. Okay let' let's make sure the right sticker goes on there. The next part, though, is it weighs the box. Now, remember at this very start, it knows the weight as well as the size. So if I've ordered three items and the system knows exactly how much those three items would weigh when they're together, if there's a disparity of that weight, it'll know something's wrong. There's either one item short or an item too many in there. So it knows straight away to reject that item to place it on the side for an associate to open up and check that the the, the correct order is in the box. So there's where the weight comes into it. Now, what, if that's correct, it continues down the path and it knows that the, by the barcode, whose order that is, where it has to go, and then what it does then it, it puts on the address the name and address sticker. It actually the sticker comes down on top of the package and a puff of air blows it the rest of the way. Like about ten centimeters, boom, it it plops it onto the onto the packaging and it's away. And then it goes down the conveyor belt, taken, and then all, all the all the orders are collected and shipped out. Now this happens this is there's tens of thousands of these products processed every single day just at this Amazon fulfillment center in Moorbank, and there are many other fulfillment centers around the country. They've just announced they're gonna build one in Melbourne. They've also announced, announced in Western Sydney, they're gonna have a robotic fulfillment center as well. So it's it's dealing with the demands of on, these online shopping, which has just exploded since COVID took over, since the lockdown. We're not going shopping in stores. Uh, for many of us, our only way of getting a product is online. That's why businesses like Amazon are thriving, and that's why these fulfillment centers are busier than ever, and we're approaching Christmas. So you can just imagine what's going to happen there. The the number of orders are are going to rapidly increase uh, as as we go into Christmas. But the whole process was absolutely fascinating. So if you've ever wondered what goes on once you hit that button, once you hit that buy button, the process begins. And we've outlined that on Tech Guide. We've also shot a video in there as well. Uh, You'll see the whole centre from the inside. You'll see me packing the box. I just hope that box goes to the right place and that I haven't stuffed things up. But I just followed the instructions and I I processed that order. And I can say that I've packed an Amazon box. So hopefully the customer who ordered the blanket, and I didn't know who that customer was, remember, because it was anonymous at that point. I didn't know who that was. But if you've ordered a blanket, chances are I packed it at the Amazon Fulfillment Centre in Moorbank. A fascinating a look inside there, great look behind the scenes. If you want to check it out, you can read our full story as well as watching our video at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenek. Coles are from this week. St- we're gonna are going to start offering iPhones refurbished iPhones and the the phone they're going to be offering is the iPhone 7, which is going to be priced at two hundred and fifty nine dollars. Now this is the result of a partnership with Boost Mobile. Boost is one of the best known youth uh, youth focused telco brands. They they are uh, their network. They, they have the they use the Telstra network for their customers, and they're doing great business here and in the US. they they're one of the more popular prepaid mobile brands. And this deal with Coles will allow customers to, while they're shopping, they're picking up their bread, they're picking up the milk, they might want to pick up a refurbished iPhone. It's going to come in its own packaging, its premium boost packaging, and it will include a $10 Boost mobile SIM card which connects to the Telstra 4G network to get you started. Now, each of the iPhones undergoes a rigorous 72-point inspection to make sure, firstly, that the device is genuine, but also to make sure it's in great shape, tip-top condition as well, and is also uh, make sure that it's Australian-compliant and has also been fully restored data wiped and also cross-checked against the national police lost and stolen phone database so there's that offers a lot of peace of mind for customers who might not want to spend over a thousand dollars for an iphone they, they they want an iphone this is an opportunity for them to buy it at 259 dollars now The ideal ideal scenario here is maybe this could be an ideal purchase for a parent, maybe buying their child their first phone. All the kids want an iPhone, and rather than having a spring for a $1,000 plus, this is a great alternative. The iPhone 7, uh, which has 32 gigabytes of memory on board, is still a, a, a viable product here, can run the latest software, has a good camera, Touch ID as well, uh, and and everything you need, Siri on board. Uh, in fact, a recent survey commissioned by Boost Mobile found that 56% of parents of children aged 10 to 17 were interested in buying a refurbished phone, while 44% only wanted to spend $300 or less on a new phone for their child. So this sits right in the middle there. Uh, So ideal choice, refurbished phones. In this case iPhones tend to be, have a longer lifespan than other devices. They're, they're, they're worth more uh, in the second-hand market, and they're supported by software updates for years and years beyond when, the, for, when they first go on sale. So that makes them an ideal choice as a refurbished device, and that's why Coles has jumped on the bandwagon here and are offering it to their customers. You think about it, a smartphone's an everyday product now. It's a commodity, and it's something we use every day and something we need, it's just like the bread, the milk, the eggs, and why not? I think Coles have, have really uh, have, have made a good choice here, a really good decision to offer this to their customers because, again, it is ideal for that first phone for your child or maybe even for your, your parents or your grandparents. They might want a phone. They don't want to spend too much money. They want something that's easy to use. And in this case, the iPhone 7, including the Boost Mobile SIM card as well, is a great place to start. If you want to read more about the Boost Mobile partnership with Coles and the refurbished iPhones you can buy, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. And now on to our celebrity tech interview. And this week, it is none other than 2GB breakfast radio host, Ben Fordham. Lovely guy, Fordo. Uh, he's been a journalist for many years. Uh, worked at Channel 9, still does a bit of work with Channel 9. Also, of course, he's become the 2GB breakfast show host. He used to host The Drive, the afternoon show, uh, on the, the drive time show on 2GB as well. Uh, and he, we, had, we had a really good chat about technology, his, his experience with with tech, how it's helped him in his job, how his kids are using technology and how he interacts with uh, with the tech in his home. Uh, it was a really interesting chat about his life with tech. G'day Ben, thanks for joining the Tech Guide podcast. How you going mate?
1: Oh mate, yeah, I'm glad that you finally got me on because if you need a tech expert, mate, <laughs> you've got me. I'm right here. Mate, I've got. To, I'll give you a confession in a moment about something I stuffed up tech wise this week. But okay, how are you going?
0: You're going well, thank you. you. You do strike me though as someone who is pretty tech savvy. So is that is that you? Are you, the, are you the bloke in the office that people come to, or at home? Look, how, no, how mate.
1: No, mate. I'm not at all. In fact, I was driving around this week in my car and I'm really conscious of, you know, making sure that I'm not touching the mobile phone while I'm driving. Yep. And I'm driving around. I'm trying to get the voice activated thing going to make a phone call because that's what I, I've been doing that for some time. Yep. And then it stops working. And so I said to Sophia who works with me, who is tech savvy because she's 22 and I'm 43. I said to her, listen, this buddy, hey, Alexa, isn't working in my car anymore. And she goes, no, no, no. Hey, Siri. <laughs> And I went, oh! So I've just been driving around for two days, going, "Hey Alexa, hey Alexa," yeah. you know, I'm trying to make a phone call, and then she goes, "No, hey Siri." I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." Alexa's okay. at home, Siri's in the car. Well, yeah,
0: it's yeah. the only time you're gonna you're gonna not get in trouble for calling the girl by the wrong name. So that's, that's pretty good. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. Mate, Mate, no, I'm a a bit hopeless with it, mate. That's why I rely on people like you in this podcast.
0: Yeah, oh, thanks, mate. Well, um, how how has it been, the transition to the the mornings? I'd imagine you'd have a pretty good relationship with your alarm clock, or do you use your phone to wake you up?
1: Mate, I use the phone. I set an alarm for 2.59 a.m. Yep. At first, I was using uh, one of those watches, the um, Garmin, I think it is, or the... Fitbit I think it's a Garmin Sophia got it for me and I so I had that going first of all to vibrate to wake me up because I didn't want to wake up my wife Jodie yep. but then Jody is now back at work as well and she reads the 5am news on channel 7 wow. and so she's waking up at three o'clock as well so now I figured all right I don't, I don't need the vibrating watch anymore because we're both getting up so I just have the alarm set for 2.59 and Mate, as you know, you never hit the snooze button because that's asking for trouble.
0: Absolutely. You're flirting with danger there. But I'd I'd imagine, like, tech, uh, for for a a journalist, you're a journalist essentially, now you're a a 2GB uh, morning breakfast host. But technology, I'd imagine, has made, do you agree, it's made journalism a little bit easier?
1: Oh, mate, it's fantastic. I mean, probably the biggest change for me as far as my job is concerned has been social media. You know, social media has made, Journalism easier, but also uh, it puts it under so much more scrutiny because you have so many more people watching, listening, commenting. But just to give you an example, um, I was probably someone who was a an early adopter of Twitter. I would have been one of the the not one of the first, but yep. I mean, as far as early media last. goes yeah. in Australia, yep. yeah, I was. I was. You know, I can remember a day with when Twitter came, where it was. I think maybe. Annabelle Crab and Joe Hildebrand and myself and you know three or four you... others and I don't think there was many others on there. In fact, I signed up. This is how far back it goes. I remember explaining it to Lisa Wilkinson and Carl Stefanovic <laughs> on the Today Show. I said, "Listen, this thing, Twitter." And they were like, "What?" And I said, and no. I showed it to them and explain it to them. And I set up their Twitter accounts. Oh, so wow. I set up Carl and Lisa's. they both probably have fifty times more followers than me these days, but I set theirs up. And um, so I was writing to Twitter early on and that gave me wonderful access to information before other people knew it. Now everyone's on it, so we all get it at the same time. But a couple of times there were a few leadership coups and things like that that were going on in Canberra Mm -hmm. and we'd be on on the set at Channel 9 doing live breaking news. And I would be able to go. Hang on, this has happened. That's happened. And yeah, they're all yeah. going. Where are you getting this from? And I'm like, well, I'm getting it from Twitter, right? Because, and now that was an advantage that I had for some time. Of course, then, then the uh, the advantage closed because everyone was on there. But yeah. you know, I use an example. For example, I was on air one day during the drive show, and um, some panes of glass fell out of a window. Uh, from a high-rise in Sydney. Yeah. And we got reports of it saying, oh, mate, something's happened like um, near Pitt Street Mall or something in the middle of Sydney. It looks like there's all this glass that's shattered down below. It looks like it's fallen off a high-rise. And uh, and people were, you know, worried that there was someone being injured or whatever. And I, I remember jumping on and searching um, glass, Martin Place it was. I just searched glass Martin Place. And sure enough, there was one person who went, Holy hell, I've just seen some glass smash on at Martin Place falling off a building. And then of course you then send them a, a message and before you know it you've you've tracked them down and they're live on the air. So That's incredible. Yeah. I was always Yeah, always big on saying, Look, you know, we've got to use Got to use social media as a way of being able to track people down. That's I, how you track people down. I days. took
0: absolutely. I, I thought you when you were on the drive program, uh, you were the probably the most like in terms of like social media savvy of all the other uh, all the other hosts, and and you've obviously taken that to your advantage. But it's really helped with like social media has kind of made all your followers reporters as well. Because it, the, in the example yeah. you've given, the, the someone's reporting to you, you found out, they found out, they've got a camera on their phone, they they they're able. Able to talk to you on the spot through the mobile phone. It's really revolutionised our job, hasn't it?
1: Oh, big time. You think about what happened in, um, in Beirut, Lebanon, that big explosion yes. that happened a month or two ago. And that was a case where we woke up in the morning and we saw this footage and we thought, oh, no, this is going to be mass devastation and obviously a very big story for Australia because of all the Lebanese people living in Australia. Yeah. And we tracked people down on the scene every single hour during the morning that morning and all of them came through social media so that's through my team searching for keywords and then saying hang on a minute we've got someone this girl works for human rights watch uh lebanon and she saw the whole thing she was there she's there at the moment so uh, i don't tweet as much these days because twitter has become this nasty toxic cesspool of yeah. Those people, you know, just kind of tearing each other down and trolling and whatever
0: stuff. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, that. That's a good segue. Or the, the sort of that's kind of the the dark underbelly of social media. Are these people? And I'm sure you've been targeted by a few narcs out there and people criticising oh, yeah, yeah. these keyboard warriors. How do, how do you deal with stuff like that?
1: Oh well, one thing is that I I tend not to tweet. I, yeah. I you know I think I've kind of given up on tweeting a little bit. I, I'll retweet things that I. have that I like, or if I'm trying to, you know, if I see something that I like that someone else is tweeting about, I'll, I'll retweet. But I very rarely tweet these days just because I kind of think, well, you know what, I've got a radio show to share my views. So sure. if I want to say something, I'll do that on air. And as far as trolls are concerned, they probably don't get to me as much as they do others. I'm really worried about the impact that they have on kids mm. and teenagers, particularly when you're vulnerable. Yeah. But I don't know. I kind of have got a bit of an unconventional view, which is: look, I'm allowed to say whatever I want, allowed whatever I want to say on the radio or when I'm on TV. And the whole point of social media is giving everyone a voice. And if if that person's voice happens to be dedicated to telling me that I'm a dickhead, mm. well. That's their view, and you know I'm allowed to say what I want to say when I'm on the radio. So I'm yeah. not going to go kind of complaining too much about what someone's going to say about me on Twitter.
0: Sure, I see you're pretty active on Instagram. Is that kind of your more favoured social media? I know yeah, you share a know, lot of photos. Know, and stuff.
1: Yeah, Instagram's the, the go. I kind of um, I can remember when Instagram came along, and I thought, oh, I really like this, just as a way of being able to share what's going on in my life with people. And I've never been on Facebook as an individual. My radio show's on Facebook, but I've never been into Facebook. So I kind of feel like I kind of missed out on that side of things because a lot of people would be saying to me, oh, did you see this or did you see that, you know? And holiday photos or family photos and i'd always say no i didn't see it they said oh it's on facebook and i'd go yeah, okay well, right i've missed it you're
0: not alone there so there's a lot of a uh, lot of people like especially younger people have kind of moved off facebook i think facebook's become like a mum a mums and dad social media page like, oh, none, yeah, of, none of my kids are on like my kids are 20 23 25 and none of them are on facebook anymore they're all on instagram and all these other platforms
1: no and some of them pass you by like you know snapchat came along and yeah. Someone said, oh, you're going to go on a Snapchat. And I went, oh, I don't know. I kind of tried to work it, didn't really know how it worked. And, yeah. and then TikTok and whatever, and I'm probably too old for all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but but I use, I use Twitter as a way of knowing what's going on. So when I wake up in the morning, I have a quick look at Twitter just to see what's going on and what's trending. Yep. Because you can get a bit of a sense straight away of, oh, hang on a minute, something's happened. You know, particularly when so much of what's going on in the world while we're asleep is happening overseas. Sure you wake up in the morning and it's like, what's Donald Trump said? What's happened with the election? What's happening in the UK? So I have a quick look at Twitter. And then I tend to have a bit of a um, quick scan through the news websites, you know, the Daily Telegraph and the Australian, the Sydney Morning Herald, um, some of the overseas sites as well, the BBC or CNN or Fox or... So, you know, I mean, how lucky are we that you've got all that at your fingertips? And I haven't even... Mate, I haven't even... um, you know, left my study yet, let alone step outside my door and thought, all right, get into work and then you've got all the news sources in there but you know, everyone's able to do it just at their fingertips.
0: Incredible. You mentioned Donald Trump before. Like it that must be just be just gold on a plate every time he tweets. Is that is it can you believe how good that is? Well, mate, he
1: <laughs> is so smart in the way he has used Twitter. I mean yeah. if it wasn't for Twitter, Donald Trump would not be president of the United States. Yeah. Because He created his own news network with Twitter. I mean, and that's why he's been very smart in not giving up Twitter because a lot of people have said to him, oh, now that you're president, you can't tweet anymore. And he was like, why? Why not? (laughs) Because that's part of his formula for success, his ability to communicate directly with the American people. And then knowing full well that the media are all following his Twitter account anyway, and they're all going to report on whatever he puts on there. So, mate, he has used it has a strength more than I think anyone in politics anywhere Absolutely. around the world. Absolutely,
0: and for want of a better phrase, it's like straight from the horse's mouth too. So there's none of the media trying to trying to get an angle or, or put a put a slant on it. It's straight from yeah,
1: you. yeah. And, and you know, you I can remember back in the day. I remember with Instagram when Instagram came along. I um, Neil Breen, who was the editor of the Sunday Telegraph at the time. Yep, I said to him, mate, Instagram. This thing's going to be huge, you know, because it was kind of just starting out. I said you should dedicate a page in every Sunday newspaper just to celebrities and what they're putting on Instagram, you know, because you've got actors and racing car drivers and all these kind of people and they're posting photos of their kids or what they're eating or what they're doing. And, um, mate, within a year or so, little did I know that that would become content for half of the news stories that you go and have a look at online. If you go to the Daily Mail, for example, half of the stories on the Daily Mail website yeah. are just stories based on what people are putting up on their social media. So it's yeah. become a content driver for Absolutely. traditional news it media. Just, just
0: served up that, on a platform, isn't
1: it? Yeah. And here was me thinking, oh, this might be one page, you know, once a week in the Sunday Telegraph of some photos, mate. And it just goes to show how you can underestimate how quickly things move because those images now make up half of the the news content on some website. Absolutely.
0: Well, you're a family man too, mate, and you've got some young kids. Have Have you got uh, sort of thoughts in place on how you'd like them? Sort of some etiquette that they for them to develop as they use technology, and and eventually well, when they go old enough for social media, mate, are the rules in mate, place already, mate?
1: Mate, the rules are already in place. It's funny you ask. My wife Jodie has got some very firm views on technology and kids. Yeah. Uh, she kind of has has, has run the operation as far as that's concerned. And she was a big believer from the start in the longer we can keep screens away from them, the better. Mm. And even little things like I remember showing the kids some cartoons once on my mobile phone and Jody was like, no, 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 not on your phone. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, put it on the TV. If they're watching Bluey or watching Peppa Pig, they watch it on the TV, not on the device, because I don't want them to get used to that, you know, immediate use of your phone and yeah. also having it so close to their face. So for them, she's like, no, 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 that's TV time and TV time we can regulate because there's only a certain amount of time that we're inside the house and the, that the TV's on, whereas the phone's with you everywhere and if they know that they can be watching Bluey any time they're near you, then that's going to increase their appetite for that kind of thing. So, so no, we're going to hold 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 back that for as long as I can. But when it comes to social media... I know that some people take the view of, oh, you know, keep your kids um, off your own social media. Keep them, you know, say in yeah. other words, you know, don't post photos of them or whatever. Well, I, I struggle with that because I'm so proud of them. They're the biggest thing yeah. going on in my life and I of kind course. of want to share it with people. And also, I want them, they're, they're going to be growing up online. They're going to be online. Yeah, you know, they're, they're digital, the, the digital natives, they're mate, they be. call them. Yeah, digital yeah, natives. That's the thing. They know nothing different. Yeah. So, so they they all know nothing different when they kind of grow up and, and what's going on but um but yeah i'm not i'm I'm probably a little bit more relaxed about those things than my wife she's <laughs> you know she's the one who will say to me from time to time can you please take that photo down because it's got Freddie's school uniform in it and I'm oh. like oh. You know, she's like, I don't want people knowing what school he goes yeah. to. I'm like, oh, okay, right Yeah, but that's that's so, really
0: good to hear that because I think a, a lot of parents are uh, can be a little lax, and their kids get away with everything online. Oh, it's good that you guys are sort of being proactive there and and knowing, sort of taking those steps and teaching them good habits and and doing those things.
1: The other interesting thing is that um, Freddie will ask me all these questions. You know what? You know, like kids are so curious. So you know, they want to know. They some of the things they think about. You know, like I've been weeding the garden recently right and i uh, daddy and uh, freddie said to me he goes daddy where do weeds come from i said oh <laughs> you know i'm trying to explain it so, i mean uh, i was struggling a bit Stephen, to be honest in trying to explain it and then i and then he i and then i eventually i just said oh mate look i, I do mate i don't know in, entirely like I've, done, I've given my best you know explanation and then he goes you could google it <laughs> <laughs> and i was like yeah, it's yeah i probably you, could you know but he asked you first the,
0: though he asked you first before speaking yeah. of the google that's that, at least yeah, that's first,
1: and that's why we then um we've got alexa at home yeah and um and alexa's been quite good too in that you know sometimes freddie will ask a question it might be about mount everest or it might be about volcanoes or whatever it might be and so sometimes i'll go mate i i don't know mate i I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. What the biggest volcano in the world is, I don't know. And and so we'll ask Alexa, you know, and then and then Alexa starts telling us the answer. So, you know, there's certainly some benefits when you can fill in some of those blanks for your children Absolutely. that quite frankly and embarrassingly I'm not able to answer.
0: And it sounds like uh, you've got some smart products at home, so you've got some Alexa speakers. Let's talk about your, your home and uh, you've obviously got the smart speakers Alexa. Have you got any other smart products, anything you can control mm. through the speaker? Have you got like lights or or anything like that? No,
1: or? no, no, no. No, just Alexa. We've got Alexa there at home. Um, but no, we're not really that, you know, tech savvy when it comes to uh, all of the different you know, gadgets and gizmos yep. and whatever that are out there. I'm more into the things that I need and the things that are convenient. Um, you know, I grew up in a family where when I was asked, when we asked for anything uh, from our parents, my mum would always say to us, does it require batteries? <laughs> and if the answer was yes, then her answer was no. She'd go, oh, no. Really? So remote control cars, no. Really? You know, computer games. We weren't allowed to have computer games when we were kids. And then... It's interesting. Everyone else started getting, you know, Nintendos and Playstations and whatever, yeah. and, and I'd only get to play them when I was at someone else's house. Oh, okay, and then and I'd say to Mum, Mum, can we? She was like, No, no, you, you can play them when you're over at your mate's place, right? <laughs> so, and then when I was about twenty, twenty-one, I turned around to my brother and sister and I said, What about? I said, What about the the lifestyle we led as kids and what we were deprived of being able to have, you know, with the video games? And so we said, Should we? Should we? jam mum and dad by buying a nintendo between the three of us for, for christmas so instead of buying each other christmas presents my brother and my sister myself all chipped in some money and we bought a, a nintendo and then i got it mm. home and i played um i played super mario yep. and mate i i became so obsessed with it in a short space of time yeah that during the summer holidays while everyone was outside in the the pool and running around playing cricket and whatever. I sat inside for about five days straight Wow. and I would not leave until I finished it. And then I finished it. I got up, I threw the control on the um, the couch and I walked out and I never touched it again. Cause oh. I just thought I've got a bit of an addictive personality and I thought, Oh, you know, okay, if I start on these things, I, I, I really find it hard to walk away from it. I want to be able to finish it. I want to try and beat the system or whatever it might be. Yeah. But you know what I got given a few years ago? Um, uh, an arcade game. You know the, the coffee table yes, arcade game. Yes, I do. And they had like four thousand
0: games on it. All the different games: Pac Man and yeah. Galaxian. Yeah. And all that. yeah, yeah, Space Invaders. Well, um,
1: <laughs> mate, you wouldn't believe it. Carl Stefanovic. When I was working with Carl on the Today Show, I did him a favour once, and he said, "Oh, mate, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy you one of those arcade games, coffee table." And and mate, when Carl tells you he's going to do something, he very rarely follows through, right? So so I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, because, mate, we talk a bit of you know, BS between the two of yeah. us quite a bit. He said, I'll buy you one. I said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, because he had one at his house. Oh. Anyway, one day this truck turns up and this bloke gets this box out. I said, what's this? He said, oh, mate, it's a coffee table arcade game. And I went, you're kidding me. He's come good. Stefanovic's come good. So I had it in my living room for a number of years until Jody said, listen, when's that thing going I said never and she said come on this is ridiculous so I've got two um, twin godsons Banjo and Darcy and I thought oh, they would come over and they'd love playing it so I said listen boys you've been very good to me you're good boys so mate, it's now um, it's now at their place. It's been at their place for about the last five years.
0: I did the same thing. I had that very same con that coffee table arcade game. Had like four thousand games, and I said, "I've got to get rid of this because I'm never going to stop playing it."
1: I actually, <laughs> I actually sold
0: it. I said, "I've got to get rid of this thing."
1: Mate, as I as I look at my um, the front of my house, so I'm just standing at the front of my house. Another little bit of tech that I'm right into are uh, the um, I've got the Uni Den cameras, right, oh, yeah. and yeah. they've been a a bit of a game changer just because, you know, both for security, but also yep. just for monitoring the kids. So when I was, particularly when, when, you know, when I was first starting out as a dad and I was so paranoid about anything going wrong with the kids, mm. um, now I'm a little bit more relaxed because, you, you know, you kind of get a few hours under your belt and whatever, but if the kids were, if I needed to do some work in my office and Freddie as a two-year-old wanted to play in the sandpit. And I'm like, I know he's fine. He can't hurt himself out there because it's like, you know, I mean, we've got a swimming pool, but there's a pool gate and whatever. But you're still, yeah. you're just worried. I'm like, oh, I've got one. Uh, I've got the cameras set on the front of the house for security, but I've got one that's, um, that's transportable that you can just put wherever. So I'm like, all right, he's out of the sandpit. Um, I'll just put that out of the sandpit and I can be in, the, in my office doing my work. And, mate, it's funny. One day, Freddie and Pearl are out there playing in the sandpit together. And I saw Freddie whack a little um, um a little shovel thing, yeah. plastic shovel across Pearl's hand. Ooh. And she starts crying. And, of course, they don't know that the camera's there, right? <laughs> so I walk out and I go, Freddie, why did you do that? Why would you hit her on the hand? And he just looked at me and goes, how did you know? <laughs> I was like, oh, I am not gonna let him know about this one. Well mate, and I've also got the little you know, the little monitors. I mean, I know that this is not kind of big tech, but yep. I'm into things that are handy and I find that so handy just in the kids' bedrooms. We got each a little monitor, baby monitor, baby yeah, monitor in yeah, all three course. bedrooms. Uh, well, and then some of the yeah. most entertaining things like my dad passed away a year ago, and, and a few weeks after he died, I was really open with the kids about everything to do with my dad when he wasn't well and whatever. I said, "Oh, look, you know, papa's probably going to die, you know, pretty soon, and whatever." So they were, they kind of followed the process pretty closely, and then a few weeks after he died, um, Jody and I sitting down just about to put a show on, and I can hear Freddie and Pearl talking to each other through the through the wall you know, from his room to her room, but both of them have got cameras. And it just picked up. I heard her starting to say, hey, Freddie, why did Papa die? And I thought, hang on a minute. So I turned, I hit pause on the TV and I rush over to the monitor. And mate, Jodie and I sat there at the monitor for the next five minutes in tears as Freddie is trying to explain to her. And then she starts saying, Freddie, I'm sad because I miss Papa and Daddy loves Papa, and I'm like, uh, Jodie and I are sitting there in tears looking at the monitor, and I was like, oh, wow. You know, like I felt like this is a moment I otherwise would never have had because they're, you know, upstairs in their bedrooms. And I said to Jody, this is better than Netflix, just sitting here yeah. watching yeah. this monitor and the weird yeah. things that come out of there mouth. that's lovely. Ben, we
0: really appreciate yeah, you coming gonna... on the show, mate.
1: Mate, I really appreciate it, Stephen. Thanks so much, mate. And, um, and thanks for providing some of the, the good tips and advice and whatever so dopes like me can try and work out what's going on.
0: It's a pleasure. Thanks again, mate. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, there's been a rapid increase in cybercrime with constant data breaches, online scams and ransomware, just to name a few. Norton's all-in-one cyber safety solution, Norton 360 Premium, now comes with dark web monitoring powered by LifeLock, which helps you notify you if your personal information is discovered on the dark web. It also includes device security and secure VPN with bank-grade encryption to help keep you private online, plus a password manager, PC safe cam, and more. With Norton's award-winning security and globally trusted protection across 50 million customers, rest assured Norton 360 Premium with dark web monitoring is the all-in-one protection for your devices and data. Norton 360 Premium is available now at leading retailers. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Well, our first review this week is a hands-on look at the PlayStation 5. Now, I know a lot of you listening may have had a pre-order, if you're lucky to get a pre-order, but point is... People are desperate to get their hands on this thing, and we were lucky enough to get our hands on it ahead of launch. We were given a look at the con- at, at the console, at the controller, and this isn't a review of the games or the performance of the console, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll emphasize right now. This is a hands-on look at the, at the console itself, at the controller. We were able to play the built-in game, the Astros Playroom game that's preloaded onto the PlayStation 5, and what that basically did is just showcase the features of the controller. But let's start with the console itself. It is certainly an unusual size and shape. There is a bit of flair to this design. And if you look really closely at the PlayStation 5, you'll find that it has a very interesting texture. And by that, I mean, if you look really closely, you'll see that the entire surface of the PlayStation 5 is filled with crosses, and triangles, and squares, and circles, which are the PlayStation symbols. It is remarkable, but you really need to get really close and, and have, a, have a closer look at it. It's just this fine detail. That's, that's what makes up the texture of the, the outside of the console, the white portions of the console. Now, the console we looked at was, uh, was the Disk the disc Drive Edition, which is $740.49. That's going to be available on November 12th. There is a digital only edition which won't have the disc drive of course, and that will be $599. Now the console itself has 16 gigabytes of RAM. That's pretty powerful. And also an 825 gigabyte solid state drive. That's SSD. It's powered by the 8-core, 16-thread AMD Ryzen processor. So in other words, this thing's got a lot of guts. It's got a lot of power. It's going to give you an incredible experience. Now, the optical drive on board can play 4K UHD discs, Blu-ray and DVD, and is also backwards compatible with PlayStation 4 games on disc as well. Uh, we don't know how, how far that compatibility reaches, our information is that there is a fair bit of compatibility if you do have a library of PlayStation 4 games. You don't need to throw them away. They will work on the PlayStation 5. The PS5 also supports the faster Wi-Fi 6 uh, which is the new wireless standard, which is used by the latest routers and the mesh Wi-Fi systems. The Netgear Orbi 6 Orbi Wi-Fi 6 will actually fit hand in glove with this new system. The PS5, because it too has Wi-Fi 6. Now let's talk about the Dual Sense wireless controller. And the second you pick up the controller, you can feel it is slightly heavier than the PS4. I have the PS4 controller in my hand every single day. I play a lot of Call of Duty online, and I do know the weight of the PS4 controller. This is slightly heftier. It is slightly weightier. Uh, same D-pad configuration, same thumbsticks, same four buttons on the right-hand side. Trackpad is there as well. It has been improved, though. The, the subtlety and the detail, the, the accuracy and precision of the touchpad has increased, uh, there are new and interesting ways for that to be used inside in the games as well. Uh, but the haptic feedback, the vibration control you get through the PS5 controller are far more subtle and precise and detailed than they ever were on the PS4. The PS4, I think, just gave you one general haptic vibration for everything. The PS5 haptic feedback is varied and nuanced and different. It's to the point where... Even walking across a surface, you feel a different vibration if you're walking across grass than you would if your character's walking across concrete. That's how accurate it is. It is absolutely remarkable. The other big difference, too, is with the adaptive triggers. Now, everyone knows the triggers, left and right triggers, are on the front of the controller. Now, with the PS5, these are what they call adaptive, which means the the developer can use them in a slightly different way than they can on the PS4. With the PS4, the trigger was either on or off. You pull it and that's it. But with the PS5, we found that there was degrees of tension you could have on the on the trigger. So you could sort of ease into the into the squeeze of the trigger and at one point there's even a way there's a way for you to go beyond that, that initial squeeze, so there's like a like a hyperdrive. You can sort of click over to another, like a turbo boost part of the trigger as well. So that that's the major difference there. Very interesting to see. I'll be interested to see how the developers have adapted that to their games and how that's going to be different uh, than we'll see on on the PlayStation 4, but an absolutely remarkable difference with the DualSense wireless controllers. Uh, I think it's going to be really, really successful. This is going to be the gamers who, who, if you're a PlayStation player, you are going to absolutely love this new console. And the Astros Playroom game that we played offered all these different levels to showcase the various functions of the controller. So it showed us the adaptive trigger, the, the trackpad, the different vibration feedback that we were getting as well. It was incredible. It was actually a really nice game to play. A lot of little Easter eggs and hidden things in there. Uh, it is that, that we found that very entertaining game to play as well. The console itself, I should mention, is actually quite large. It's 39 centimetres. If you rest it on its base, it's 39 centimetres tall. If you want to sit it on its side, it then it becomes 39 centimetres wide. Point is, it's a lot wider than the PS4. It is longer, thicker than the PS4, so you may need to make room in your entertainment system to be able to fit that in. But look, the bottom line is this is an exciting new release. Uh, The... the uh, the whole range of products, you're going to have the controller and the console, also, there's also going to be a charging station for the controllers, there's also going to be a remote control and a pair of headphones that are also going to be released at launch as well the DualSense controller on its own if you want to buy an extra one, is $109.95 the wireless headset with 3D audio support and dual noise cancelling microphones is $159.95, there's also a HD camera, $99.95 a media remote, which is $49.95, and the Dual charging station also $49.95. PS5 $749 for the full disc edition. PS5 digital edition without the disc drive will be $599. If you want to see that in action, the PS5, take a look at our photos and read our story at techguide.com.au. Now, the Alcatel has made a real habit of providing value smartphones with attractive features for really, really affordable prices. And they've done it again with the Alcatel One SE. Now, this is a sub $200 phone. I should have actually told you the price last because here are the features. It has a 6.22-inch HD Plus display. It has an AI triple rear camera system, a 4,000 milliamp hour battery. It has a rear panel fingerprint reader as well as face ID. Now, all of that is $199. I remember showing this phone. I've already got it in for review. I showed it to my son. I said, "Check this out. It's an Android phone." He looked at, took a look at his hands, felt it, turned it over, and I said, "What do you reckon you'd pay for that?" And he goes, "Oh, that's worth $500." And I told him, I said, no, $199. He couldn't believe it. And neither were a lot of customers. And Alcatel has proven over the years they've packed even more value into their sub-$200 smartphones. It started back in 2016 when they released the Pop 4. Now, if you cast your mind back, they had a single 8-megapixel camera and an 18 by 9 display. Remember that long, narrow screens with the trend back then? Two years later, in 2018... Alcatel introduced the 3V, which had an even larger and better quality display, an even longer battery life, and a dual camera system. Now, in 2020, for the same price, you're getting 6.22 inch screen, triple rear camera system, 4000 milliamp hour battery, as well as a rear fingerprint reader, face ID, as well. So it, on, on, on the screen front, the 6.22-inch display t- is a, gives you an 87.18% screen-to-body ratio, which means it's nearly all screen on the front. The large display is also uh, offers amazing colours. Uh, it has 2.5D glass on the front, so it sort of curves and extends to a nice texture on the back panel. Now, on the camera side, the triple camera system is also pretty impressive. So, you, you can, it does include a 13 megapixel main lens, a 5 megapixel super wide angle lens, and the 2 megapixel depth lens. And there's also the front facing camera as well, which is 5 megapixel. So no matter what you're shooting, you are gonna, pretty, gonna get a pretty decent results. It does also have the, the ability to capture wider shots with a 120 degree wide angle lens. Does also has portrait mode, so you can focus on a person and blur the background, so those for those studio-like pictures. And the battery, the 4,000 milliamp hour battery with five volt, two amp charging, Gets you plenty of power and you can recharge faster when you need to as well. There's even a dedicated Google Assistant button on the side. So that's a, a, a shortcut to any information you need to get you through your day. The Alcatel One SE, it's available now at JB Hi-Fi and at their online store. And it's priced at $199. A better bargain we haven't seen. If you want to check out that story, check out the pictures and a link to the LG, uh, the JB Store You can see that at techguide.com.au. Now, you wine connoisseurs are going to be very interested in this next product. It's the LG Signature Wine Cellar. Now, when I say wine cellar, they're not selling you the basement of a house to store your wine. This is a specially designed refrigerator that creates the optimal conditions to store any number of wines, different varieties of wines, champagne, even your cheese and meats. It can store at precisely the right temperature. Now me, I'm a non-drinker, so this product probably won't appeal as much to me as it does perhaps to you. My wife's a drinker. She loves her wine and... Anyone who's really interested in their wine, and, and there are there are plenty of people who love their wines, they're really uh, aficionados, they're very expert, and they, they love to collect wine and enjoy wine. This is an ideal item for them. Now, if you have that kind of taste and that kind of, of passion for your wine, then you will hopefully be able to afford this. It's $8,999, but... To me, the appreciation and love of wine is a little bit like the appreciation and love of audio. Audio files, money's no object. If they can get things sounding the way they want, they'll pay the money. Just in that way, if wine connoisseurs and aficionados can get their wine at the right, precise right temperature to taste as best that it can, to keep it in that right condition, then they're willing to pay the money as well. And that's why I think this will be popular among those customers. Now, the wine cellar itself, it's 70 centimetres wide, 1.79 metres tall, 79.3 centimetres deep, so about the size of a a smallish refrigerator. But it features multi-temperature and humidity controls, and there's room on board for up to 65 bottles of wine. It has this beautiful, seamless, scratch-resistant metal frame, and it has a glass door to showcase your wine collection. So if you do a little double tap, that window becomes transparent and you can see your lovely bottles of wine inside. Now, what what we've what we have here is a a storage for your wine that can actually have different temperatures on different shelves. So look, even I know that red wine shouldn't be drunk as cold as white wine so isn't it room temperature for red wine or a certain temperature so there is a, there are shelves here for your red wine there are shelves there for your white wine you, you can coordinate where you want to place those obviously white wine needs to be chilled at a certain temperature red wine uh, kept at room temperature or a certain temperature even your champagne needs to be chilled to the right temperature depending on its vintage depending on all sorts of things the LG wine cellar takes all of that into account Now, in terms of what we've done, LG has conducted a study. It's really interesting. Most Australians, we're talking 90.4%, don't have a lot of expertise when it comes to properly storing wine. So that's why a product like this is perfect for that sort of customer who wants to enjoy their wine but has no idea on the right temperatures and what they need to do. And in terms of the, the, you consider the year we've had, We're still drinking a lot of wine. That same study found that over three quarters, that's 77.7% of Australians, are now more likely to support Australian wineries over their international equivalents. So we've spent, according to Wine Australia, this year we've spent more than $3.5 billion. And despite COVID, off-premises sales have increased by 6% despite the the impacts on international exports and limited in-store sales as well so we love our wine we still want to get it so that that means the study found that close to 3 in 4 Australians preferred to purchase their wine in-store rather than online so that that just goes to show how much they're, they're into their wine so the wine seller offers that customization to cater for your specific needs, to maintain optimal temperatures for storing red, the white, the champagne. There's even a drawer for your cheese and meat. So if you're into your entertaining, you want to have a lovely glass of wine, then the LG Signature Wine Cellar is the product for you. Now, there there are so many features that are designed to keep your wine right and at the optimal conditions. So not only uh, the humidity control is one thing, it helps keep the air inside at the ideal level. This LG wine cell also has vibration control. Apparently vibrations are no good for wine. So it helps safeguard the flavour and characteristics of the wine by suppressing any vibration. There's also an auto-open door feature so you can open the door hands-free simply by stepping on the light that's projected on the floor. That action triggers the door to open by itself the triple plane triple pane black mirror. It's coated glass. So you, you give that a tap and you can you can also see your wine. But this also shields the stored bottles against heat and ultraviolet light to make sure the wine's flavor is locked in and protected. So look this is ideal. If you're a wine connoisseur, this is your product. It's not going to be available until January next year. So you can start saving. It's going to be priced at $8,999. If you want to read more about it, check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Now, is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming, your work, your gaming, video calling, and more? And what happens if you try to do all of that at once? When you're connected to your world by Wi Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with the Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling, and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of your house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Are you ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash Best Wi-Fi. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. In the Tech God Help Desk, uh, which is brought to you by Belkin. Uh, Belkin have a range of new products for the new iPhone range. So check out their MagSafe products. They've got a car mount coming, and they've got a lot of batteries and cables that you can buy as well to support your digital products. Now, uh, one question we had asked was about noise-cancelling headphones, which were not only to be used for music. Uh, this uh, our, our listener contacted us and said, look, I, I often work in a noisy environment, so I just want to be able to suppress the sound sounds around me, and the choices that she came down to were either a Sony or Bose, and I lean towards Bose slightly. I think uh, whilst Sony's sound is fantastic, I think Bose's noise cancellation is slightly better. So in this case, I'd probably lean towards Bose. They have got great headphones, but they've also just released the new Quiet Comfort earbuds, which may be suitable for that user as well. Uh, I had another question too about the best value projector, best bang for your buck projector for a home theater system. And uh, I think the brand here... Uh, they're doing some pretty good work at that affordable end, is BenQ. BenQ has the W1700 4K projector. It's only $2,200. That's $2,200 for a 4K projector. But I think the real value, if you're building a home theatre, my philosophy is go big or go home. So spend the money, go to... what you can afford to create a good system because the last thing you want to do is sit in that room and think, you know what, I wish I had got that. I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. So if you're going to go to the trouble of putting together a home theatre, I reckon go hard. Now, if, with that in mind, I reckon probably the best value BenQ 4K projector is the W5700, which is $4,200. But for that extra $200, you're getting a 10 times better projector that competes against projectors that cost 10 k and above. So you're getting fairly good performance, punching way above its weight, and gives you that performance that you would normally pay 10 to 15000 for if you do choose another brand. And that's the end of our show for this week. We hope that you've enjoyed it. We talked uh, Everything we've talked about on the show, you can, of course, find at techguide.com.au. And don't be afraid to get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, info at techguide.com.au. We want to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.